Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have a amazing show for you today. We are here chatting with Rowan St. John, and Rowan is a really talented sound healer and also does work uh, in a modality called Family Constellations. And Rowan, you've actually been on my show before. Um, you were here That's when right, yeah. you were here when Glenn Smith was doing the Vocal Voyagers, and you were doing some vocal voyaging, some some soundscapes, uh, kind of this vocal improvisation uh, with with Glenn, and that was really fun to have have you on the show. Um, and so now you're back. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to be here with Glenn and completely fabricate some vocal sounds on the spot. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it was really, really fun. And that's a big part of your work now, too, is, I mean, is, is, the, is the sound healing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what drew me to what Glenn is doing. Um, every time we're opening our mouths, we're really, you know, making sounds and um, we're approaching sort of vibratory wellness at some level, depending on where our mind is at. So Absolutely. And sometimes even when we don't open our mouths, we're making sounds like the classic Marge Simpson kind of mama sound that she would make all the time when she didn't like something. <laughs> She'd be like, mm. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's another kind of sound, I suppose. I don't know what to call that. But um, What I've been concentrating on is more vowel-based and we try to keep the consonants away a little bit more. So, When you say consonants-based within the sound healing work that you do, what, is, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I mean, when I, I think I said vowel-based, right? So yes. more vowels. Um, when we get into the consonants, that's when we get into words and structure of the sound, right? Yes. With vowels, there's a lot less structure, and it's, um, it's much more free. And we're actually accessing something that goes beyond the, the sort of conditioned mind a little bit. So when we start to sing words, we get attached in, and wrapped up in concepts. So sound can uh, be a portal into the non-conceptual. And so when you're working more with vowels, we have fewer words in the English language that are, are all vowels. Yeah, I'm, there's, I'm sure we could find a few right now, but... I agree. It's it's most words have some kind of consonant, and the the fact that they end, um, most words don't last like a whole cycle of breath, right? Hmm. They're usually shorter. They're more like utterances. Um, so depending on language too, it's, it's it varies a lot. Um, so I guess what we're doing when we sound with just vowels is that we're sort of breaking free of that sort of condensed structure I think that we're also familiar with we act, we actually think in those words as well so um, when you break down the words in a healing session or in a workshop or something like that 
Um, it's it's similar to um, meditation. It can be helps your mind slip into sort of a, a calmer a calmer space, or yeah. helps you be more present. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, some of us have probably experienced uh, Buddhist chant or mantra. Um, mantras are actually also using words, but they mix up the words in such a way that it's it's often it's very tough to um, follow. I don't know if you've heard some of these mantras where it's like every time you do it, you're almost like, oh, I forgot to start again because of the way it's structured. Sometimes it, you have to really pay attention. So mantra also does that. It confuses the conceptual mind a little bit. So it's easier to access uh, an open condition of the mind. So, so walk us through what what a sound healing session is like with these vowel based kind of uh, vocal structures that you're using. Well, if I do one on one work with people, it's generally um, very intuitive, and it really depends. But um, the vowels are related to each different energy center when we talk about chakras. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, I was like, oh, yeah, chakras, that's like hoo-hoo kind of, you know. But then eventually, uh, through years of meditation and, and being exposed to other healing modalities, I started to really feel different aspects of my life and how it was affecting, um, say, my root chakra or um, if I was stuck up in my head thinking too much, you know, I was needing to work with my crown chakra uh, to clear out you know, whatever's going on there. Wait, why, why did you think that chakras were a bunch of hoo-ha? Like what was, what, <laughs> what was that, what so, was that about? Well, you know, I, I come from uh, a working class family and I think, uh, you know, I was in the construction business for years and I, I just uh, didn't know what to make of a lot of those things when I was in my twenties. I was, you know, I, I enjoyed going out to the bars with my buddies. I was in a rock band and singing in that kind of uh aspect of my life which is not the same yeah that's all. a very different lifestyle yeah. yeah do you feel like it was did you feel like it was hoo-ha because it was new or because like or do you feel like it was uh do you feel like it was something that other people in your life or or family kind of was just like no that's that's not within the model that we believe yeah it was a family thing for sure I would even say, we could even say maybe an ignorance of sort. Um, and not as a judgment, just more as an awareness. Like, we just didn't, I just didn't know what that was all about, you know. But through experience, you kind of start to put two and two together, and you can actually start to experience some of these things energetically. So when we're using certain vowels, we're actually working with certain energy centers in the body. Um, when we're using certain mantras, we're, we're actually access, accessing certain sort of uh, concepts. And, you know, for thousands of years, the Buddhists have used these mantras. And it's, if you believe that, um, well, just imagine the power of one word. Um, we could pick a word and... and the power of, of no. There's a good word. So... Everybody generally knows what that means and the power that that word has when we make that sound. It's generally something that everybody can kind of go, I know what that means. Yeah. 
they feel it. Yeah, even if you're in a dif- different language, different culture, that sound people will pick up on what that is, right? Yeah. So we're when we're creating mantras, we're basically putting that sort of energy out repeatedly, just like we would the word no. Uh, it's just a different kind of energy. So it kind of, I think it eventually it does. Uh, create its own sort of resonance or its own sort of frequency that makes sense yes yes yeah so in a session i generally have been doing workshops lately it's not so much one-on-one with the sound healing because it's been tough to find like healing space uh or office space right where you can yell and scream uh or make loud noise oh so you guys get into it well you know the more the more powerful the, the tones are, the more um, they can vibrate uh, the system, the energy, the cells, the, the matter. Yeah. Very As, cool. Isn't that the name of your show is Energy Matters? Energy Matters on mm-hmm. WXOJLP, 103.3 <laughs> FM Northampton. And if you're just tuning in, we're listening, we're chatting with Rowan St. John, and we're talking about his sound healing work. And um, in a little bit, we're going to also tap into another modality that he does called family constellations. Um, and, and so Rowan, tell me, tell me more about, tell me more about the group workshops that you do uh, with, with the sound healing. How many people are in the groups usually? Um, well, the, in the past, I was doing, uh, I was doing them around the valley here. And uh, I'd get, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 people. It's um, a pretty sizable group. Yeah, I think it was mostly 10 to 12 to 15 people at the most. Yeah. Um, once in a while, I would get lucky. Um, I did a few of those. And I've done them in Iowa City when I was living there for a little while. Um, so what it looks like is just getting a group of us together and making all kinds of different sounds. Um I, I went to England. I studied with a woman named Jill Purse, um, the healing voice. She's uh, she's the wife of Rupert Sheldrake. Okay. Have you heard his name? I have not heard his name. Well, Rupert Sheldrake um, is sort of famous for morphogenetic fields. Okay. So morphic resonance. And Jill actually does work that sort of, I would say, applies that theory. And... Um, when we're working with families or when we're working with our health, um, it's sort of like a system, isn't it? I mean, the body is, uh, is a system in itself and we belong to a system as a, as a race or as a family. So it's all very much like a system. Okay. So when we're working with sound, um, we want to activate what I would call a field. So when we're working in a group, the intention is to activate the field to sort of wake up our, what makes us up as humans. And um, it's almost like a group tuning, really. When you sing in a group, it's one of the most powerful tools for healing. Um, maybe some of you have experienced that um, in gospel music or at church. Um, suddenly you're feeling like all these overwhelming emotions. And um, we don't even really recognize why at this point, why we do some of this. I mean, I think the gospel churches do. Um, they talk about it from the perspective of God. Of course. Um, but if you were with Native Americans and they were singing, um, 
they have a different name for what's happening and what's what's coming up is similar it's going to be emotions and feelings and but you like in, within your work you you kind of you have the framework of that you're activating a field through sound yeah when when i start my classes i generally work with overtone chanting what's, which is, what's uh, overtone chanting overtone chanting is um You've probably heard of the Tuvan throat singers or the Mongolian overtone uh, singers. Can you do? Can you can you make those sounds for us right now? So we kind of. <laughs> I could. <laughs> I might. I, I'm not sure. I might have to back up a little from the mic. Sure. And see what we can do. Yeah. So this is okay. if you're just tuning in, where you're about to get a little demo of what an overtone uh, chanting is from Rowan Saint John. Let me just take a couple deep breaths here. All right. Well, we can do that collectively. So if you're just listening out there, just take a deep breath in. And exhale. all just with your mouth it had a little bit of a didgeridoo kind of sound to it almost like a long tubal sound yeah it's it's also probably i'm not sure how it translates over the radio and through the microphone but there are these harmonics that sound like bells Hmm. i don't know if you could pick up on those Hmm. um and i i don't know was that really loud coming through the mic or um i made it so that it was as as perfect as could be okay yeah the harmonics are tough to pick up with some microphones but um you know if you look it up you'll see that there's bands that go out there and they travel around and they they actually sing this way it's a cultural thing um overtones i would say are not cultural but um the way that they're used in some of these cultures is um very very intended to be cultural and related to tradition and what's the in, what's the intended use of these overtones within sound healing? Well, um, for one thing, this can be a very very powerful uh, purification process and a meditation uh, practice. So you you don't have to do any other mantras or practices other than that if you wanted to. Uh, if you could do those sounds, because that those were cool. I yeah. don't know if I would be able to just do that on the fly myself, but that's, I mean, I'm, I was pretty impressed with that. It was really neat. Well, it's, it's uh, something that we, that I teach in the class. I teach you how to do it and they're actually present all the time in everybody's voice. You just don't pick up on them. Uh, once you start to do a practice like this with the harmonics, um, it's really bizarre. You start to hear them everywhere you can hear them in people's voice as they're talking to you you can hear them when they're singing i even hear them in uh recordings on the radio when someone's singing a pop song you can hear overtones in there you can pick up on them very cool 
And so when you're talking about using these overtones within sound healing as a purification, what are we purifying? Well, ultimately, um, the practice of Dzogchen is something I wanted to mention, and it's it's a meditative uh, practice. It's it's uh, from the Tibetan Buddhism. It translates to mean the great perfection. And uh, according to uh, Buddhist tradition, it's their highest uh, teaching of these paths to enlightenment. Right? We have Tantra, we have Sutra, and we have Dzogchen as... Uh, a lot of these different monasteries are are dedicated specifically to mantra, sutra, or Dzogchen. Dzogchen is uh, dealing with the mind. So when you're doing some kind of an overtone practice like that, really what it's all about is is creating a closed circuit of listening to the sound as you're making it. So you're actually learning uh, how to retrain your brainwave patterns and your mind to focus on sound as you're making it. And so if you can do that and hear other sounds as well, then you're really, you know, tuning in. You're really in the zone. Yeah. And it's another, it's a point of focus, which is what all meditation is, helps you achieve. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when we purify, they talk about purification in Tantra and other methods of purification and, I think it's a subject that would we could do a whole show on what that means, but excuse me. Um, ultimately, we're purifying the thoughts that we're so strongly entrenched and identified with. And so a practice like this can help clear away that kind of confusion. And um, it helps break the chain of, of habit and the thread of, of habit of the mind. I like it. I yeah. like it. What is a, can you tell us a little bit within these kind of sound healing groups, you're doing these, these different mantras, these different vowel based tones, these overtones, which you gave us a really cool demo of what that sounds like, kind of in terms of, you know, helping us purify out of, you know, our our repetitive thought patterns. Mm -hmm. How do people respond? What do people say? is is the most impactful thing or what have you observed as being so impactful within these group settings well it's uh it's one of these things it's it's when you access something that's sort of ineffable it's you you try to put it into words it can be a little bit uh hard to explain some people will uh have these extravagant visions of uh you know all kinds of things that are happening we actually do visit some um some Tibetan practices that invoke uh, dreams and can invoke visions. Um, so the reports are, you know, all kinds of different varying degrees of excitement and awe and uh, calmness and peace. Um, but generally what we're doing is um, when, when we're all singing together, we're tuning together. So we're, we're basically um, retuning in community at some level when you sing in a group it's it's like everybody comes together you can feel the difference when you arrive in the room after you sing you can feel the change in the room um, after 10 minutes of just making tones it's it's really wild so that's one of the things we learn uh, to pay attention to the difference and 
by the end of the workshops, it's amazing how everybody's just chatting away. Like they, you know, everybody like feels a little more safe. They just knew each other for 10 yeah, years. Just, yeah. It, it really changes the connection uh, that people can experience. The other thing is it's, it's so powerful because um, some people have spent their lives, you know, uh, being told to be quiet and don't mm-hmm. talk. And, you know, um, you know, a lot of people have a history that, of that kind of thing from their family or maybe they're at work or maybe they've experienced, you know, uh, some kind of oppression, you know, so we're empowering our throat chakra, our voices. We're getting into that strength of, uh, being able to vocalize and be witnessed and seen. Um, what else are we doing? We're, 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 uh, there's so many things that we do in one of these, uh, classes, uh, we access each other and the sounds that we, that each other are making. So we actually explore in, uh, pairs. So you can actually listen and you can actually palpate your own body and feel, um, how different sounds affect different parts of the body or they access different parts of the body. So we, we vary vowels and we explore the, um, how the different sounds and move throughout the body it's pretty exciting to notice that can we do like a little baby demo right now can you have like if if someone's listening at home is there something that we could do to palpate our uh our heart or our shoulder to is there an exercise we could go through right now to to explore that yeah i think it's one of the things you can do is the contrast is what usually reveals it so Oh, having another person, you mean? No, the contrast of like doing various vowel sounds. So if we just do ah, that's going to be like in the heart chakra area, according to the the, um, the process that I approach with the Tibetan uh, philosophy. So one of the things you can do is you can play with other vowels and get to the ah, and so you can feel the difference in the chest. So you can just do A, E, I, O, or, and then add an ah. So, so in the studio <clears throat> right now, uh, Rowan and I both have our hands, our respective hands on our respective chests. So, um, so if you want to explore um, and you're listening, you can uh, very safely, if you're driving, make sure you keep both hands on the wheel and listen to this later. Um, but so would, we'd start with placing our hand uh, on, on our chest area. Yeah, that's a good place to start. I, I think uh, if we instead of going A E I, we'll just we'll just do the E I O, and then Ah. Okay, and so as we're doing these different sounds, what are we feeling for? Well, you'll just notice the subtle difference in your in the vibration in in your hand as you're palpating your chest. You'll notice the vibration will change. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so eventually you can really get deep with that practice and kind of palpate and you'll notice the awe sound where exactly it is. And there's a whole set of visualizations you can do. So will will you lead us through uh, a couple of vowels now so we can explore what it feels like? Sure. Okay. Let's just, what did I say? We're going to use the A-E-I-O-Ah. All right. We're ready. Okay. So we'll start with I. I. 
just a short sample but I don't know about you but I can feel that right away when I do the odd sort of opens up below my hand a little bit I you know it was funny because I was I was listening I was kind of letting my my energetic field vibrate because we're sitting right across from each other so I I wasn't should I have been doing the sound as well at the same time I mean I wanted to make sure that people at home could really hear a clear listening but should, should, is it easier when we're doing it within our own vessels here to feel that? Yeah, I mean, some of the experiments that we'll do in the class is we're, we're palpating ourselves. We're listening to our own voice. The whole idea is to really listen to ourselves. But when we listen to others in pairs, it's all, often we're trying to pick up like subtle overtones or we're, we're actually noticing the contrast between if we do an awe and we fluctuate a little bit, we can feel the, the difference in the notes um, and how they sort of oppose one another. There's a lot of different subtle experiments we do, but if you're trying to notice where vowel sounds appear in your body, you know, you can start with an awe, but I think when you shift out of the awe, you notice the difference in the vibration in your hand on your chest, right? So. I felt a lot when I was listening to you sitting across from you, I felt a lot, especially when you were doing the O's in my throat. And then when you changed the vowel, I start. it almost felt like that, that sensation spread across under my jaw. So mm-hmm. I was feeling different sensations within my body. And I was focused on what was kind of going on in my body as I, I was listening to, to yours. But I went mm-hmm. probably when I, uh, you know, get home, I might practice that for myself later and, and kind of see how it resonates. My own vowels resonate within my body. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is when you do the overtones, it's a very natural scale that appears in the harmonics. And so you'll notice if you practice, you're doing one bass note, it's like the and there's those overtone sounds that are kind of happening above the note and beyond it and they actually also uh purify and work with the subtle energy body so that's really cool yeah that's really really neat so we're going to shift gears shortly and uh we're going to start chatting more about another modality that you do called family constellations. And I know that a lot of the sound healing work that you were talking about really connects us with the other people that are sort of in, in these, in these workshop groups that you're, that you're doing and, you know, kind of gets people at ease within their relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know, and the family constellations is all about relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Family constellations work is um, uh, something that, kind of started with uh, the Zulu tribe in Africa. And Bert Hellinger was the, a missionary there, and he founded what we call systemic constellation work, uh, family, systemic family constellations. Um, 
Fabulous. Well, we, we're going to take a short break right now, and we're going to explore how you got into this and what it is all about and how it can help, because I was I was really um, digging what some of the stuff that you had on your website as well. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters. We're chatting with Rowan St. John today. Another huge part of your work is, is this modality called Family Constellations. And it's really cool. I was watching an interview um, with a man that was linked on your website. Uh, and if you're listening and are really curious about what Rowan St. John does, you can uh, check out his website, livingsoundhealing.com. That's livingsoundhealing.com. And there's a lot of information about Rowan and, and more of these, um, you know, about his, his world of healing here. But uh, tell us, Rowan, what what is the family constellations? Can you tell us just like a little cat, uh, you know, a little overview about what that is. Yeah. Um, well, as I mentioned, it can, it comes from the Zulu people, the Zulu tribe, and um, and the Zulu tribe is at, is where where um, where do they live? Oh, geez, you had to ask me that question. I'm trying to think of curious. exactly where in Africa, um, and it's slipping my mind. But um, the point is that these the folks that uh, that were practicing this it's it's in their culture it's a traditional sort of practice and what they were doing was they were accessing uh their ancestry and so i believe that the zulu look at it as that their ancestries are actual uh their actual people that are that exist still sure so when they look back to ancestry um you know, whatever the medicine man or the shaman of the tribe, um, they're talking about uh, disorder in the past, you know, some kind of chaos, some kind of uh, trauma or injury to either the the tribe um, or the family. And now we're seeing a person uh, showing the results of that in their life. I think most people can relate to a traumatic family incident within the tribe or the culture and right. have have some individual reenactment of those of those things in some way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing is if if you had a traumatic experience in your family and then it was it you just didn't know how to deal with it and then you have kids and that was never really you weren't able to deal with it, but you just push on through and you deal with it you, as best you can. Um, what eventually happens is that it just doesn't leave. It doesn't go anywhere. It, it stays, really. It stays in the field, uh, the family field. And when we talk about a field, it's, it's uh, you know, this is an idea that's been around for a long time. It's not just like, um, it's not just some... Uh, healing modality idea it's it's actually based in science that um we can see epigenetics and how they Im impact uh generation after generation and um we see it in things like slavery or, or after wars we see how people have been impacted but we when we look at it in the larger sense we're not always um acknowledging the difficulty that it produces in a family system and so family constellations work um tries to help uh, reveal what those imbalances are in the family system. So what was the trauma that happened two generations ago to your great-grandparents that was too much you know, for them to deal with? Or even to talk about. Or even to talk about, or maybe they 
knew they should talk about it, but they didn't. I mean, when we talk about these kinds of things, these traumas we're talking about, um, I could go down a list of, you know, uh, loss of a child or abortion or, um, you know, terminating a pregnancy. Um, Those kinds of things have a huge impact on the family field, um, especially because culturally a lot of folks just don't know how to deal with the grief around something like that. And then we've got, uh, you know, like I said, war. Um, The implications of that are obvious. So we've got great-grandparents that have been uh, and survived through war. Um, And the trauma, it's almost like, you know, I think if you can process trauma well in your family, which is, I don't know how many people know how to do that, you know. It seems like it takes a lifetime to really learn and to to build up that capacity. And so what I think is most people don't have that capacity as a learned skill. Um, so a lot of what we see, I think, as a result of our, our daily life and our culture can be actually entangled with past traumas. So what is a family constellations group workshop look like? Well, I usually, uh, start with, um, we pick a person out of the group who's going to do a constellation and the so constellation, be their, their family. Specifically. Yeah. We'll, we'll deal with their, their family. ancestors. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways to, to go about this and it, it varies per, uh, facilitator. Sure. So I, I try to implement a little bit of sound because that's where I, I learned it from, uh, Jill purse who studied with Bert Hellinger. Um, so I, I like to get that field activated with a little sound, which is not something you'll find in a lot of these. But we have, we'll pick out the person that's going to do it, and then they choose representatives of their family. Okay. And it's, this is not a, like a role play. So okay. it's not like an acting. No, in fact... The work will stop immediately if, if uh, we try to role play at all or bring in our own ideas about what's happening. We try to remain free of any of those preconceptions or judgments. Um, otherwise, the the work just ends. You feel uh, it. It just it halts. Yeah. Yeah. The ego kind of gets into into play. Exactly. Yeah. So how how do you find so? when you're doing the family constellations workshop, one person is chosen to represent their family or their ancestors. And each of these people are representations of the, the various ancestors, whether it's grandparents, Mm -hmm. mother, father, sister, brother, maybe like you said, like a a child that was not fully brought into this world for any, for many reasons. Um, so these players are picked, and oh, they're not—they're not acting. They're—they're representation. So how—how do—how does everybody get into that meditative state, so where they can kind of become a, that clear channel? Yeah, I think it's—it's it's very natural, um, and that's what's such an interesting uh, thing about this work is it's—it's it's a myst- its a mystery. Um, I don't think anybody could ever tell you how it happens or why. Uh, it's one of these things that just—it happens repeatedly and. Uh, Bert Hellinger talks about the field uh, or the family conscience and what he's seen and what most people that do this as serious work see 
is things that occur, um, the serendipities that happen just even right in the space. Like for instance, you can pick out, if it was your constellation, you'd go and you would say, I would like this person to represent my father. And you put them in the space in a circle, you know, where the people are all standing in a circle. And then you pick uh, a mother, say, right? And you place them in the circle where you'd like them to be facing. And right there, that sort of reveals a whole lot about a family dynamic before you've even, you know, heard a story or said anything. Hmm. So what's revealed there is, I mean, it's up for interpretation, right? But what you want to do is just not interpret as best as you can. Okay. Uh, so the folks that are standing there suddenly will have sometimes actual physical and palpable uh, descriptive sensations or experiences or um, sometimes if uh, there was some really powerful grief, like somebody will even like fold over and just start wailing. It's mm. just incredible. Yeah. So, so essentially when you're doing this, you're having these representatives almost step into this other family member living or past into their morphic field. So they're kind of acting as a representative, representative, uh, representative of, of that other person. And that allows for these energetic traumas to pass. Well, that's just the beginning of, of the work. Really. It's, it's sort of revealing some of these dynamics and then we move we move people around in that constellation and we try to find the secret or the the hidden sort of treasure that's there uh wanting to be revealed because i like that you call it a treasure <laughs> yeah because i feel like a lot of people think of like i mean sometimes i'm like my family <laughs> and right. i don't necessarily think of of that as as a treasure and it is it should be right. i mean we're teaching each other well yeah when we remove all of the the conditioned mind and the concepts about what that is what the family is and all of the story of the the trauma or the baggage or the you know or the war or whatever it is we just leave that out of the constellation it's mostly it's based on fact okay so if you are angry with your mother you say i feel angry but we don't go into a, a 45 minute you know dialogue like a therapy session there we leave that stuff out because that kind of clarity allows this work to be revealed and it circumvents the the thinking mind so as soon as we start thinking about it and judging and being angry and it doesn't mean we don't feel what emotions are coming up. That's different because those don't necessarily get entangled in concept either, right? Um, those emotions can spontaneously appear and we learn how to be more present with them as they're coming and as they're appearing in that moment. And of course, the room is, is we talk about this when we set it up, how are we going to hold that space? Um, so... How, how has this work impacted your life and your family when you do the, the family constellations? Or I know you've probably done it many, many times, but can you, can you talk a little bit about um, whatever you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, I can, I, I, there's one share, uh, story that I always, I always remember. Um, I got back from England after doing, uh, I think it was probably about 
65 to 70 constellations. It was like an intensive. Yeah. And so you'd go through each person's constellation up to an extent. Um, Because some of them can take four hours in themselves, you know. But um, I came home and I, I got really interested in my ancestry for one thing. And one of the things that I learned um, was that my grandmother had been buried in an unmarked grave, um, even though her children were still alive and my father is still alive. And, um, and I, I just realized the implications of that. Uh, and what I also found is that her whole side of her family were buried as well with that un- in an unmarked grave. Whoa. Yeah, so and that's that uh, information came to the surface during one of the constellations that you experienced. Well, it it brought it my attention lore? to it. Yeah, when I got home, I I wanted to know more. I really wanted to learn. And what happened was I I realized that uh, no story from anybody's family is unique. After going through seventy five of those, you just you know every single person. You're kind of go, you just go, oh my god, that's my family. Oh my god, that's my family. And you're in these constellations as a brother or as a father or as a supportive representative, and you're actually working out your own family issue in that family's this other person's family that they're going through the work. Right? You're kind of in there representing somebody, but you're realizing, hey, this is about me. So this is the mystery of how how does that happen? How do they pick me as a brother? And now I'm dealing with an issue that I have with my brother or my father or synchronicities. Yeah. Those things just start lining up and you're like, Oh, this is very interesting. It really is. And the freedom that comes is that we bring things back into the order of love. So if th- that's the solution to all of this. So if you've got a problem in your family field and, you know, everybody's got someone in their family who maybe struggles more than everybody else. And why are they having such a hard time? Often it can be related to something like this, you know, a hidden sort of, uh, they're, they're actually doing the deep family work. They're trying to work out what's wrong with the, uh, what's out of balance in the family field. I shouldn't say it's wrong. Right. Yeah. But what, where's that little kink? <coughs> where's that kink in the system? Exactly. So, and so you have some, you have some, some family constellation workshops coming up and you also have some living sound workshops coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about um, when and where those are and how people can find you? Right. They're, they're um, going to be listed on that website, the living sound healing.com. And that's Rowan St. John. And the website is living sound healing.com. Yeah. And right now the constellation work, um, I'm, in talks with uh, the space for August that I haven't confirmed on that one, but okay. But it's all all that is on your website. It will be. Um, so livingsoundhealing.com. Yeah, and we're doing a we're doing a two hour sound healing class at Parcasa Yoga Studio in Goshen, and that information is also on my site. Fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, do you have anything as we're kind of nearing the end of our hour together? Do you have anything that you'd like to throw out there to the universe about your work or just anything in general that you feel like is important uh, information to share? Um, I, you know, I think 
Um, I just wanted to say a little bit more clearly too that when I did get home, I I found out that uh, my mother hadn't visited her own uh, father's grave, right? And so we went. Uh, this is not something that my mother would normally do for, uh, but I asked her to do this with me. Yeah. And she surprised, I was surprised. She said yes. And she actually called her sister because she would remember where it was. So now mm. I'm involving two family members in something that they would never do. And they both said yes to my surprise. And you're like, this is way too easy. We couldn't find it. Whoa. We walked around. And this is, you know, my my aunt is work, walk with a cane, right? So it's not too easy for her to get around. She was so upset. She was crying. And I wish that we could find it. We're about to leave. And I'm, I look down and I'm standing on his stone. Whoa. So, you know, call that whatever you'd like. But I was pretty shocked and, and my mother burst into tears. And so what we did is we cleaned it off and we honored uh, an ancestor that way. You know, it might be simple, but that has huge implications. Yeah. Did you notice any impact between uh, your mom and your aunt or any... Did you feel like there was any, did you see any ripples from that experience? Yeah, I think uh, it's, a, it's tough to pinpoint necessarily, but the fact that we all were there connected together was huge because I hadn't seen my aunt in years. Um, and the fact that they were willing to do it, I, I attribute that to going to England and doing that work. Um, something ripened um, and there was some urgency there that I think, yeah, just felt like it was time somehow. I don't know how to explain it other than that. Yeah. Well, that's enough. You know, sometimes we don't need to know why, but it just is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what it did also is it brought more conversation about uh, siblings for my mom. And she had to call her brother now and ask about, all the photos because I was like mom can I can I get some photos of you know I was always asking and so she actually tried to get involved uh, and it started to connect all these different family members and they're talking about family now and we're honoring our ancestors whether we know it or not we're actually talking about them now and so you know you can do little things like that and it's very very powerful that's really really neat well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Rowan. Um, I I am, you know, really excited about your work, and I'd never heard about family constellations before. And I'm I'm super curious, and um, I'm really excited for your next workshop coming up. So um, you might see me there at that one. Well, you'd be welcome to come. I'd, it'd be great to have you there. Fabulous. Um, and again, if anyone listening is curious and wanting to learn a little bit more about Rowan's work, it's livingsoundhealing.com. And have a great weekend, everyone, and be well. <laughs>